It does make a difference what we believe. We're going to see that as we continue in our study in 1 Timothy. Billy Graham says, if our minds and hearts are not filled with God's truth, something else will take his place. Cynicism, occultism, false religions, philosophies, drugs, the list is endless. And Billy Graham is right. Unless we are filled with God's truth, something else is going to come in and take that place. So important to stand on God's truth, God's word, the Bible. In fact, the Bible tells us in the last days there will be many that are going to depart from the truth, from who God is and what he teaches in his word. Now let's see what Paul warns Timothy about false teachers. 1 Timothy 6, we'll pick up the third verse. So stand with me as we read this morning. We'll pick up at verse 3. You can read verses 3 through 5. And here Paul says, If any man teach otherwise, then consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. He is proud, knowing nothing, but dotting about questions and strifes of words, whereof come up envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Let's pray. Father, we just pray that as your people, that you give us an awareness that we would just be so familiar with the truth of your word that we just quickly detect uh, things that are false, things that are not right. Uh, Father, help us to be aware that our adversary, the devil, goes about like a lion seeing whom he can devour. Lord, help us to take up your armor, to be prepared with the sword of your word. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Now, last Sunday, we looked at verse 4 and the importance of having sound doctrine. Now, we see some characteristics of sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is going to have wholesome words uh, where false teachers don't. That word uh, where they don't follow wholesome words means healthy, where our word hygiene comes from. So the words of God really are physically healthy for us, spiritually healthy for us. And false teachers are going to offer just stuff that is tainted and unwholesome. We also see that the sound doctrine is centered in the Word of Christ. Everything needs to be matched up with Jesus and what He teaches. Because His Word is eternal. It's going to last forever. His Word is mighty. His word is life-giving, and we need to center on His word. And we also see the sound doctrine produces godliness. Love what uh, Dr. MacArthur points out. He says, heresy has no genuine power to produce genuine godliness. And you take a look at false teachers. Many times, 
their lives are really messed up. They just have some really dark backgrounds and things that they've done, and then they start advocating them and live that way. They don't produce godliness. Look at their fruit. And MacArthur's right on that. Well, let's continue. We're going to look at verses, uh, that was in verse 3 we covered last week. So we're going to continue verse 4 and 5 this morning. And we're going to see Paul in verse uh, 4 is going to talk about really our need for solid unity. Because false teachers will come in and try to take away our unity. William Barclay, he says the false teacher is a disturber of peace. And verse 4 shows that. Uh, Paul says he's proud. Knowing nothing, but donning about questions and strifes of words. Whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil, surmisings. So we see here in verse 4, the mark of pride that will break up unity. Uh, attitude is really a tip-off for a false teacher. Instead of being humble, they are proud. That's what Paul says. He is proud. Like what Warren Risby says, he says, a believer who understands the word will have a burning heart, not a big head. So there's a big difference. You need a burning heart, not a big head. Uh, proud comes from a word that means smoke. And here it means literally to wrap in smoke or mist. To puff up like a cloud of smoke. In fact, our more modern English slang would put it, that person is blowing smoke or they're full of hot air. Yeah. It also implies arrogance. They view their teaching as being superior to anything, including the Word of God. Pride is a dangerous thing. It kills our spiritual life. It kills the unity of God's people. Satan fell from heaven with pride. And he said, I'll be like the Most High. And then rebellion started. And it caused division. He took a lot of angels with him. And that's what pride does. The Bible gives us tragic examples of people who were filled with pride and resisted God. We go to Exodus, we find Pharaoh of Egypt. And it's interesting what Pharaoh says when he answers Moses. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. He's prideful. And we know what happened there. Ten plagues came. And he lost his army. He lost his firstborn. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, a mighty, powerful world ruler. And one day he was out looking at his kingdom, and he came to this assessment. Is not this great Babylon that I built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power? And for the honor of my majesty, he was patting himself on the back. Man, look what I've done. And you know what? God took his sanity. And he ended up out in the 
Phil eating grass like a donkey. And he did that for years. And then God restored his sanity. I tell you what, he sang a different hymn. He praised God. In the New Testament, Jesus tells us of a Pharisee who prays and a publican or a tax collector in the Gospel of Luke. And there Jesus tells us the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. Listen to his prayer. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice a week. I tithe all my possessions. God must have grown weary in that prayer. And then the tax collector prays, bows his head, and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which prayer do you think God heard and answered? Pretty easy choice, isn't it? Jesus says, for everyone that exalts himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. You see, pride separates us from God and each other. And that's why Paul puts first, they are proud. Proud. Interesting that the church at Laodicea, it was a prideful church. And that's a church that's going to picture the church at the last days. Notice what Jesus said in that. He says, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. They didn't realize their true condition. But they ought to see in church, the lukewarm church. And such are false teachers. They think they're superior that they have superior knowledge, insights. Paul says they're proud and really know nothing. Never arriving at truth. You know, the sad thing is, a lot of these guys in today's world will publish best sellers. Have people buy it? No. I mean, I'm talking about stuff like a few years ago in the shack. I think it was Paul Young that wrote it. That was a bestseller. It was filled with nothing but heresy. No truth in it. And they, well, it doesn't affect me. Well, it's interesting. We had a church that spoke out of the East Point that had that guy in as a guest speaker two years ago. Yeah, so uh, you better be aware of what's out there. You're going to call my name. Uh, Rob Bell, Love Wentz, just nothing but a heresy field. Yeah. And he tours with Oprah. Used to be a pastor of a big church. Uh, Matthew Vines, who's put forth what he calls a biblical argument for same-sex marriage. Yeah, another one. Even Austin, 
and health and wealth, and God wants to bless you and make life easy for you. Well, sometimes it isn't. So it's out there. We also see the actions of pride in verse 4. Uh, Paul points out they're doting about questions. That means they're sick, they, they have a diseased mind. Uh, one translator calls them conceited idiots. That's good. So they have a sick focus. And, and then look at the other actions. Strifes of words. I mean, it means they, they like to fight over words. And it is, isn't it interesting that the tactic of Satan, you know, we see Genesis 1 and 2, everything's really good. God creates the world and, and makes life and everything, and, and he saw it was good. And then chapter 3 of Genesis comes along. And it begins in verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, listen to what he says, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Well, God never said that. But notice how that serpent comes in and puts that thought out. Did God say this? He's going to argue over words. And that's what he begins with Eve. And he takes her in. You see, watch out for those who argue over words and pose questions like that and who debate the validity of the wording in God's word. That's why they're tactics. Strifes of words. I mean, that's where we study stuff like a higher criticism, where they take it, they look at the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and they say, well, there's four different sources that put this together. Well, that's just heresy. Amen. Bible tells us Moses wrote those first five books. Jesus affirms it. So what's the issue? Amen. Stuff like that. And today we're seeing new interpretations of the gospel and the Bible to support sinful lifestyles. So strife of words. And then we see in verse 4 the results of their pride false teachers. Remember, it doesn't produce godliness. Envy. An inward discontent with the advantages that others have. In other words, they just bring a discontent in people. An envy. So people begin looking at other people and they're unhappy with what they have compared to what they have. You know, that person has a better job. That person has a better house. That person drives a better car. That person has a better dog. I mean, the just list goes on and on and on. <laughs> now, if you don't have a lap, you don't have a good dog. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll give you my cat. <laughs> He's a good cat. Man, he hissed at Linda the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Strife. That flows from envy. It's a contentiousness. Uh, I like what uh, John Phillips, he says, false teaching engenders the kind of quarreling 
that can turn a peaceable assembly of God's people into a battlefield. That's what they do. Railing, that's abusive, evil speaking. Evil surmising, that's ascribing evil motives to other people. And that's what a false teacher does. Dr. MacArthur says false teaching can never produce unity. Only truth unifies. So we really see the need to have sound doctrine which brings solid unity. And then we also need spiritual richness. We're going to see that in verse 5. You see, false teaching will put us in the what I would call the spiritual poorhouse. It'll make us poverty-stricken spiritually at best. At worst, it's going to lead us into hell. That's what it'll do. Uh, I remember one time uh, in class at, at seminary, uh, Dr. William Hendricks was, was teaching, and we must have had some students doing some sloppy work or something, but he really got after us one time. And he looked up and, and, and he said, you know what? He said, you guys need to be more committed and do better work and study harder and do a better job than a uh, brain surgeon in medical school. Because the things you're dealing with is far more important with people's minds and souls and eternity. We got the message. We need a spiritual richness. Look at verse 5. Uh, Paul's describing perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. See, Paul tells us this person has no concept of the mind of Christ. I want you to turn back to Philippians chapter 2. Back to Philippians 2. verse 2. Paul writes these believers and says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same mind, being of one accord, one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being a form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, 
and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's the mind of Christ. That's the example Paul gives. You see, Paul tells us Jesus Living in glory, God Himself left all that for us, for our welfare, for our goodness. He gave up all that and became one of us and took the cross and our sin so we could be in heaven with Him. That's the mind of Christ. He was watching out for us became a servant. You see, Christ came to give us everything. True, spiritual richness. And for all eternity. You take a false teacher, they come to rob, to steal. And notice what they steal according to verse 5. They will steal our peace. The purse, the spewings of men. That word's only used here. It means incessant wrangling. I mean, it's, it's the wearing effects of constant friction, constant tension. Ongoing turmoil. You know, some people are like that. I mean, they just wear you out. Man, it's just a relief to kind of step out and go home or get in your car and step away from that person. I mean, there's just a constant turmoil, tension, or friction about them. That's false teachers, and that's some people. And you just have to step away from them and get peace and quiet. But the gift of Christ is peace. How tragic. We have a home that's just constantly in turmoil. Or a church that is in constant upheaval. Because the gift of Christ is peace. At the Last Supper, difficult times. Judas is left to betray Jesus. Jesus knows he's going to be arrested very soon. And yet there with the disciples, he says to them, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Peace. That's his promise. And a false teacher will steal it. Try to take it away. I mean, that's what Satan did in the garden. He took their peace. Robbed them. They also steal our goodness. Verse 5, they're men of corrupt minds. Instead of the mind of Christ, they got a corrupt mind. That means to, uh, to rot thoroughly, to wound, uh, to destroy or perish. Paul is telling us to guard your heart. 
Guard your mind because there's just so much corrupt stuff out there. Now, just come in. Watch out for corrupt stuff or corrupt people. I love that verse in Philippians where Paul says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Stuff that is true. Honest. Just. Pure. Lovely. That's what we're to focus on. Good things. I mean, Jesus is all about goodness. John describes him full of grace and truth. The rich young ruler that came up to Jesus, good master. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's none good but one. God. And that's Jesus. And in John 10, why don't you turn your Bibles to John 10. How Jesus identifies himself in John 10, verse 10. Jesus says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Don't be robbed of the goodness of the good shepherd by false teaching. I mean, trust in the good shepherd. Be a people of goodness. Do all the good we can. Don't let the goodness of God be stolen. Lesson. Then Paul tells us they are true stealers. So go back to 1 Timothy. He says they're destitute of the truth. It means they've been defrauded. They're brought up. And the word implies that they had... They once knew the truth. Doesn't mean they were saved, but they were aware of it. They had contact with it. And yet, because of their corrupt minds, they're completely destitute of truth. It's been taken away. A second Timothy describes them as ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. In other words, their spiritual condition is true. They're destitute of truth. They're heading to judgment. 
And the sad thing is, they will try to take you and me with them. You know, Dr. Phillips, he points out, you know, it's a terrible thing if, uh, if we rob another person and even to kill them. But he said it is near, no near, no near as bad as these guys who rob people of eternal life. Because they're destitute of truth. They're truth stealers. And I'm talking to Jehovah Witnesses who twist who Jesus is God's Word. I'm talking to Mormons who bring a different gospel and teach a different Jesus. I'm talking about the Muslim faith. Nothing but darkness and deception. Talking about Planned Parenthood. Couldn't see the truth and it's laid out before them. And they stand in absolute darkness and everyone who defends them from the highest office of the United States can't see the truth. Truth deceivers. The Word was made of flesh. He dwelt among us. We beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Thomas Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one cometh unto the Father except through me. <clears throat> Spiritual richness. Dwells in the peace of Christ. Trust the goodness of the good shepherd. Stands on the words 